they looked really good. It finally hit me that Delaware's not just playing to keep it close. Delaware's here to win. But if they're going to really lock down in a game, this would be the one to do it. Overall, I think this is their identity now. There weren't enough things that you and I could say on the broadcast to praise Eric Carter. I do have to put out a formal apology to Darian Bryant. It's over for the Eagles. When you're only better than the Cleveland Browns, you're not very good. This is going to be the Delaware defense like, through and through. If you lose, you're leaving yourself on the bubble with all of these other teams that I would say are just as good as you are. Losing Nicole, that's a big part of what we did a year ago. It's a process, and we need to really lay a strong foundation of who we are as a basketball program. You're listening to Blue Hen Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD. Bryce Harper is a member now of the Philadelphia Phillies after the longest free agent standoff in quite some time, at least with a player of his caliber. Bryce Harper finally has a home today. It was reported by multiple sources that the Phillies and Harper have come to an agreement on a 13-year contract worth $330 million dollars. That is the most money ever awarded in a single contract. The average annual value of the deal over the 13 years is $25.4 million. So that's not a record really of any sort. That's been eclipsed by multiple players, including Manny Machado earlier this offseason, who received 10 years, $300 million from the San Diego Padres. Harper has signed the longest deal at 13 years. There are no opt-outs to the deal. A lot of talk the last couple of days about whether he'd get an opt-out after three years, whether the Phillies were hesitant to give one. There were some reports this afternoon that said Harper did not want one, that he wanted to commit. So no opt-outs in the deal. And Jake, unless things change dramatically, I don't think he leaves the Phillies on this deal because either one, he lives up to the contract, he's producing at a high level, the Phillies are contenders— and they have no interest in dealing him, or he falls off that proverbial cliff, and maybe these two things aren't mutually exclusive. Maybe that happens in those age 35, 36, 37, 38-year seasons, and nobody wants to trade for him because he has this contract attached to him. So more than likely, 13 years coming of Bryce Harper. He's only ever played for the Washington Nationals organization. They drafted him number one overall. But he will go down, his career, the history of it, his legacy, will come as a Philadelphia Philly. That's what he'll be known for through the lifespan of this contract, just 26 years old. The Phillies hope they have a player who is just reaching his peak. Nationals fans, people around baseball maybe hope that that one MVP year a couple years ago was a fluke and maybe that he's not one of the best players in baseball. Jake, what say you? Overall reactions to the 13-year, $330 million contract for Bryce Harper. I think the Phillies now have sole ownership of most or the best players in the National League. Uh, assuming Bryce Harper was not in the National League, if we had to rank the top five players, I would actually be inclined to say the Mets have two out of the five, the other three probably being Scherzer, um, Nola and Freeman. Who would be the other one from the Mets other than DeGrob? It would be Syndergaard. And then I'll get injured and then I'll look stupid like another year. 
Um, but all all healthy, that's what I would do. With Harper coming into the picture, it kicks Syndergaard out and then gives them Nola and Harper. I it's it's an okay contract. The only thing that really doesn't surprise me is the money. Um, the money doesn't surprise me. The years, the year surprises me. That's a long time. No trade surprises me, especially because Bryce Harper held out so long. There was the uh, reported fake news, real news, ten-year, three hundred million dollars that the Washington Nationals apparently offered Harper. That means he said no, had the no trade, or didn't accept any contracts as a free agent. Then he accepts a trade, or keep saying trade, accepts a contract for 13 years, $330 million, lowers his annual value, probably lowers his resale value, but like we've alluded to, it's probably going to be a full 13 years, so no need for a resale value, and moves to a team in the division. A team that, before Bryce Harper signed, was not in a better position to make the playoffs, was not in a better position to make a deep run, and now with Harper, the Washington uh, Nationals fall out of the top five in playoff projections, and the Philadelphia Phillies take their spots. The Phillies were currently, or before Bryce Harper, were 12-1. and Now they are 6-1 to odds to make the playoffs. And I think that's maybe too drastic of a swing. I was probably yeah. higher on them before Harper. Like, I do think they got a lot better with the moves they made. The trade for JT Real Muto, one of, if not the best catcher in the National League. Andrew McCutcheon should solidify things in the outfield. Gene Segura is a huge upgrade over the mess that was J.P. Crawford and Scott Kingery playing shortstop last season, and David Robertson in the bullpen can't hurt. I'm a proponent of if you're a contending team, you can't have too many arms in the bullpen. So I think those four moves made them marginally better, but this move signals we're all in. Chips in the table. Same thing we talked about when the Philadelphia 76ers traded for Jimmy Butler and then traded whatever they had left for Tobias Harris. It says— And Boban. And Boban. Please. Um, it says that we think we can contend this year. The move for Rio Muto, the move for Segura, that helps you this year and in the next couple of years. This Harper signing does help you in the next couple of years. But the expectations now are going to be 2019. What can Bryce Harper deliver this team? Can he play to an MVP caliber level and carry an offensive load in Philadelphia for a team that has been in a pretty long drought now and had a pretty kind of crazy, disastrous collapse at the end of last season. Can they kind of leap up into that conversation where before they were on the fringes of the playoffs in most people's opinions, now the expectation will be to win that division and then to make noise in the playoffs? I think Bryce Harper gives them another piece of depth, and I think he brings that extra factor, that wow factor, that I don't think the Phillies have had since maybe the year that Shane Victorino couldn't miss a baseball. They're, they've you pick any of those guys. That's Rollins, a very potent offense. Yeah. Howard, but any since of them. that team, right. that generation. Since that team where every at-bat was a hard at-bat, the uh, Phillies had had Howard, hopes. Right. Burrell. That from top to bottom was a difficult lineup to get through. Now that Harper is here, their lineup gets stronger, their lineup gets deeper, and they also have another wow factor. They have a player a that— reason to be excited. 0-2 count or 3-0 and count, no outs or two outs. If Bryce Harper's up at bat, you're fine with it. Regardless of the situation, you'd pick Bryce Harper up at bat. It's good. I don't think Bryce Harper's going to be an MVP. I don't see him winning another MVP award. I don't see him getting close to winning another MVP award. There are just better players in the MLB. 
With that being said, I don't think Bryce Harper falls out of like the top 10 in MVP voting any year. He's always been up there. I personally don't think Bryce Harper is great. People think otherwise. Clearly, MVP voters think otherwise. He's a good player. He's a player that you can rely on when you need him to. And for 13 years, 330 with an annual value under what a lot of these top-tier guys are getting, you're happy to be Bryce Harper and you're happy to be a Phillies fan. And I think this is something that I brought up to a couple of people I was talking to this about this too before earlier. The the people who take this deal down, and I don't think it's a perfect deal. Thirteen years is crazy. It's a long, long period of time. Those last couple of years of this deal are probably going to be rough. Nobody really wants to pay thirty-seven, thirty-eight-year-old Bryce Harper twenty-five point four million dollars at the end of this contract. But if the Phillies can pull together a World Series run this year, next year, the year after that, in the prime of Harper's career, as Reese Hoskins reaches the prime of his career, as Aaron Nola continues in the prime of his career. If they do it now, you it makes it easier to live with the end of that contract, to live with the downfall of we have $25 million on the books that we maybe could be using to make the team better, you know, maybe we've lost some guys, but hey, we had our time, we had our run. That's how it was when they paid Ryan Howard $25 million over five years, and the last three years of that deal were disastrous. But say, hey, we had our run, 2008, 2009. Maybe the run should have been longer, but took care of business when they got there in 2008. If that can happen with these Phillies here, and you get to the end of this deal and it looks a little rough, I think you live with that. That's the price of getting a 26-year-old in his prime as a free agent without having to give up any other assets from your team as you live with those down years at the end of it to get what's left of these peak prime years now. I think the problem with Ryan Howard and that deal is that Ryan Howard was your biggest piece. He he was it. If you boil down every person wearing a Philadelphia Phillies uniform, Ryan Howard would be the last one standing. I don't think that's true with Bryce Harper, and I think that's a good thing. If you boil every Philly down, it's Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola is still their best player. Who's going to be the one? And that and they have him on such a good contract. That was a problem now. in Washington with Bryce Harper, and that's what led to the ego. And we talked about this before: the ego difference between Machado and Harper. Machado is he's an ego person through and through. Harper was a justified ego. He Washington embraced him with open arms and said, "Whatever you cannot do any wrong, do whatever you want." Then he started to slip. Then he won the home run derby, and and then everyone's. All goody two-shoes, everything's okay. One, Philly won't let that happen. Philly has enough going on in the sports world that Bryce Harper is never going to be there. Nobody's focus. pumping Bryce Harper up. Right. If anything, they have they're going to be other tearing him do. down from day. If he starts slow this season, the avalanche will come. They're, People they're, will come for him right away. There it's will Nick be no Foles right now. Mm-hmm. They're focused on Nick Foles. Later towards baseball season, well, baseball it's going to be the Sixers. The Sixers are going to be in the playoffs. Exactly. And then midway through the summer, you're looking at Philadelphia football. Right, you might be, be talking about Harper. Hey, Car- you're going to be criticizing Wentz for right. the, the Philly voice story. Harper's never going to be it. Yeah. So now that Harper is not your big focal point, Aaron Nola can still hold that weight. And justifyingly so, Bryce Harper can be what he has to be. He can be this 270 hitter. Three RBIs is, an, is a good day for him. Three RBIs is a slow day for him, for Bryce Harper. And that whole pressure is off of him. And I think that's what hurt him in Washington. That's sort of what would have hurt him in the if we went to the Dodgers because he'll probably be the best player on the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw's getting a little old. He's still great. But he's At the very old. least, he 
would be considered that slash get the attention of right. the best player on that Phil, team. You, Even you if get Corey Seager is better or whatever, people will put the spotlight on Bryce Harper. And they will to some extent here in Philadelphia. But like you said, it's one of the best, you know, top whatever markets. They have the Sixers with three, maybe four all-stars on that team, plus J.J. Redick. That will get a lot of scrutiny come this postseason, particularly if they get in another Boston series, something like that. The Philadelphia Eagles will always be the top most scrutinized team in the market, especially now. No Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, it's his team. You know that will be a prevailing storyline all summer long, and we'll talk about Nick Foles later in the show. By the way, uh, but Bryce Harper will be a part of that. But like you said, it's a place where I think he could fit in. Maybe it'll be if he gets off to a bumpy start playing wise, there will be criticism that comes. But ultimately. Even if it's not the MVP season, if it's more like what you're describing, 270, 35 home runs. If he can be consistent, again, maybe even Reese Hoskins overtakes him as the most dangerous threat in the lineup, but he's still that top flight type of contributor, gets him four or five wins above replacement a season. That would be huge, and that is the difference between an 83-win team that maybe they were yesterday and the 88, 89, 90-win team that maybe they are today. The uh, hardest division of baseball just got harder. The most entertaining division of baseball just got more entertaining. I mean, you're going to have four of the best, four of some of the best pitchers in baseball last year thrown to Bryce Harper. I mean, the day that Max Scherzer squares off against Bryce Harper, I'm going to be glued. I don't care what happens at that at bat. I don't care if Bryce Harper gets hit by a pitch or doesn't swing at anything and gets walked. It's going to be a great thing. The number two. On Twitter's trending right now, number one, obviously Bryce Harper. Number two is another baseball player, and it's actually Mike Trout. Mike Trout is the second top trending thing on Twitter, and it's everybody saying, so Bryce Harper gets 13 years, $330 million. Mike Trout better be ready to get a $500 million contract with a timestamp of till death do us apart. And I was reading that, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. I've always said that. Bryce, they should offer Mike Trout commission on every ticket they ever sell and name the stadium after him. But this really sets the market for Mike Trout. You know he needs to get more than 330. He was going to get more than 330. You know they can offer him 15 years now because 13 years was just a thing and they can offer him more. Mike Trout's contract is going to be astronomical. And if these star players, uh, Mookie Betts coming up, he's not ready to be hit free agency yet. He's a little older then you're Bryce Harper, I think two years older, one year older. He's a little older. Um, they That is another contract that's going to be in the same ballpark. Get used to it. These are contracts now. I, I don't think I don't I might be wrong on this, but I think the 13 year part of this deal is more an exception than a norm to be expected because Machado and Harper hit the market at such a young age compared to the typical free agent. When Mike Trout hits the free agent market two seasons from now. He'll be 29 years old. So I think that will make teams less inclined to offer him 13 years. I think the $330 million benchmark, that will go down, no doubt. And if it's over a shorter period of time, the average annual value for both position players and pitchers, those records will go down. And we'll talk about Nolan Arenado's deal a little bit later in the show. I think that's maybe a better comparison for Mike Trout and Mookie Betts than what Harper got, because Nolan Arenado right now is 28. If 
he played out his last year of arbitration, he'd hit the market at 29. And that's the same age that Trout will be and close to the same age that Mookie Betts will be when they both reach free agency. When Arenado got $32 million over eight years, if Mike Trout got $380 million over 10 years, I think that's realistic. $400 million over 10 years, but I don't know if he would press for a 13-year deal or if teams would be willing to offer that or even exceed the, it. The offer should be that. I don't know if anyone will really match that. And I think the the contract I was talking about is for the star of the star players. This, this yeah, should we're talking about Mike Trout. Like, here. Fr- Freddie Freeman's not going to get this. Nick, Nick Markakis is not going to get these contracts. They'll, they'll be your standard ones. But the star of the stars, we are seeing more and more. It's all about front-loading the money like we talked and about. And it still might take until February again for yeah. some of Ho- these things. Hopefully not. But this was unless brutal. something changes, it will be this type of stalemate thing that – you could say Scott Boris and Bryce Harper, if a 13-year deal is what they wanted, won. And the average annual value is not probably what they wanted. But you get the all-time most money because you go to 13 years. And regardless of what his play is, Bryce Harper has to probably feel pretty good that on February 28th, he got $330 right. million dollars guaranteed to him you in walk this away standoff. You walk away from I don't know. I'm just going to put no quotes around it because it's not confirmed. You walk away from $300 million, you don't know what you're walking into. Obviously, you hold yourself high because you're Bryce Harper, but you could have settled on 250 because no team would have offered you anything. Right. This a while a ago, win. yeah, these, these contract offers, we don't know what they were along the way. The White Sox offered 250 and but, we thought that was a lot. Exactly. Um, you know, To get this at this stage in the game, they probably have to be pretty oh, happy. Yeah, with I, it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I would be elated if... After all of this, and I'm, I bet they were scared. I bet last week well, if they like didn't they have did contact with of, the Phillies, they did a lot of different little things here at the end between the Dodgers and the Giants to right. try to kind of pit the teams against one another. Before and keep all that this came out, up. before the Dodgers, the Phillies, the the Brinks truck appearing at the Dodger <laughs> Stadium, before any of that happened, if I'm Scott Boris, I'm like, did we just ruin this whole thing? Sure, we can go get two fifty from any team that has a pulse, but. Did we just miss out on a $300 million contract? Then Machado gets signed. Then these three teams come out. Machado and Arenado signing had to have helped Harper's market, his case. Right. Even if the market He wanted to be the highest paid. He wanted to sign last. Yeah, the case of saying, okay, baseball thinks Manny Machado is worth $300 million. I think you and I both agree. Neither of these guys are top 10 players. Right. But Bryce Harper is the guy I think you want more than Machado, generally speaking. Yeah, uh, probably. He's got higher upside. He's had his peak, at least, in these last couple of seasons, has been higher than Manny Machado's. I remember when Machado signed, ESPN was playing. It did, like, his career moments, and it literally was, like, June 7th. Machado hits a double to win a middle-of-the-season game for the Orioles over the Twins, and the last play of the Machado highlight reel was always Adam Jones robbing him in the World Baseball Classic of a home run. For Bryce Harper, he's got an MVP season in his home run chase, derbies home left run and derby right, that he postseason won. Postseason clutch homers. Yeah, he's been to the postseason more than once. Machado had only gone with the Dodgers, who he was traded to midseason. So Machado getting thirty million a year, which was probably unexpected at that point, and then Arenado to come off the market. So you can't say, oh, we'll just hold our money for Nolan Arenado next off season. Now he's gone, and he got thirty-two million dollars over two seventy. In the total value, 
that makes a good case on the Boris Harper side for why Harper should get $330 million based off those two precedents. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Let's close the book on this thing from the Nationals side. We've talked about it a little bit throughout the offseason. You thought there was a chance he'd go back to the Nationals. There's a fairly strong chance throughout the offseason. But at some point, and maybe it was more recently, the Nationals, the prices got too high, what have you. They signed Patrick Corbin to a $100 million deal. At some point, they decide, okay, we're out of this thing. Bryce Harper, our child, first-round pick. They bring him up before his 20th birthday. He's been an all-star every season that he's been there in Washington. At some point, they decided we're okay with letting Bryce Harper walk away. What will be the legacy of Bryce Harper in Washington, and where does the organization as a whole go from here without a guy that has been the face of their team, maybe not always their best player, but he's been the face of the team basically ever since he was called up? They're fine. It's going to sting, and you hope that should the Nationals not make the playoffs, you hope the Phillies don't either. If three years from now, Phillies overtaking Washington and Washington's in the dumps and Phillies winning it all, they'll be okay with that. They want one or two seasons to just separate themselves from Bryce Harper. Say, all right, Bryce Harper left. Neither of us are doing great, or both of us are. If both of them make the playoffs, that's fine too. Uh, but they just want to know kind of like an ex that we're both doing the same thing. We're both doing great or we're both doing poor. For the sake of the team, they'll still be okay. They still have a good pitching rotation, a nice bullpen. They have players that can fill that spotlight. Um, Rendon is still, for some reason, underrated in every single MLB ranking I've ever seen. They have young guys. Juan Soto will be just fine taking the spotlight for the Nationals. It'll sting, and it'll feel weird when you look at the Nationals and you don't see Bryce Harper's name, but I don't think they have much to worry about. What will be the legacy of Bryce Harper's stint with the Washington Nationals? The one that got away, it stings. I think he'll be known forever as this young, kind of uncut guy that came into the league, showed he has power, can cover the outfield, has a cannon of an arm, a big personality. He'll be a Nationals great for the time he was there. No more than that. I would also add, I think, disappointment to his legacy, and not necessarily in the way that he played individually, but in the end results no ring. of the seasons that he was there. Not only no ring, but no World Series appearance. Right. I mean, did they make no NLCS? One, one NLCS, NLCS appearance. They, that was when they lost to the Dodgers. And how many times did the this Cubs? team come into a season as the NL East favorite? Every year. We're often up, win the NL East with 90 Almost or more wins. Year. Even if they didn't win the NL East, they're making the playoffs and then do absolutely nothing in the playoffs and collapse, basically. And it's not just Bryce Harper. It's been the entire team from Max Scherzer, Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez on down, all of the names that have made up this core over this run. It has to be a disappointing era of a team that was perennially a 90-win team around Harper and now... In some ways, they have to reinvent themselves. They'll be a similar team, and I think they'll be just fine without them, like you said, given the young players that they have coming up in the outfield, Soto, Victor Robles. But the identity of the team will definitely be something that's under construction over the next year or two. The thing I just want to talk about, Juan Soto 
as as of now, if you lined up Juan Soto's days in the MLB so far and Bryce Harper's days in the MLB, Soto's better. Soto's been better. He looks better than Bryce Harper does. I might not be that mad if I'm the Nationals. Like, you still have a great young player that can probably come in and carry your franchise like Harper did. Hopefully you can get a ring. Hopefully you can get to the World Series. Hopefully you can even do something in the playoffs. But you still have young talent. Putting a bow on this as a whole, anything to be regretful of or disappointed by if you're a Dodgers fan, if you're a Giants fan, any of these other teams that we talked about as potential Bryce Harper suitors over the offseason? Only two teams that should be disappointed are the Mets and the Nationals. That's it, because you have to face Bryce Harper a lot. The Braves were never in on him. They don't, frankly, need him. Mm-hmm. The Marlins, why, why? That would be the end of that. The Mets can, could have went after him, and he decided not to. And the Washington Nationals let him walk away. Oh, he walked away. He didn't accept the money, but the Washington Nationals don't have well, him at some point, at some point, that deal came off the table. Right, and they um, said, go, go find it somewhere else. Those are the only two teams that could be disappointed in this whole Bryce Harper deal. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast. It's a big day, guys. It's the greatest day of all time. If your headline is that the Jonas Brothers are returning, they are returning. <laughs> I'm happy. It's a good day. No one cares about Bryce Harper anyway. Sorry. I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's what go. was more surprising when you found out today that at midnight the Jonas Brothers are releasing a new single or when you found out today that Bryce Harper had signed with the Philadelphia Phillies for 13 years? Um... The Jonas Brothers. Jonas Brothers is more surprising, right? Honestly. Because we we kind of knew a few weeks ago that I didn't. Oh, not we, a few weeks know, ago, a few days ago. But if you told me the Phillies were going to sign Bryce Harper, yeah, okay, yeah, they're we, a we, legitimate we suitor. Thirteen years 13 now. Years. That's a little much. That's the, a long period of time. The the logistics of it don't make sense, but the fact that he got signed is more common. But the Jonas Brothers are back. I'm ready. Nick Jonas better hit that falsetto like he doesn't burn it up. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. But are they back for good, or is it just uh, a single? Yeah, like, what's going on? Because, I mean, Joe had his own group with their couple hits. Nick Jonas had a couple of hits. I thought it was over, but... It's never over when you're the Jonas Brothers. Here we are. Here we are. Favorite Jonas Brother, go. Favorite Jonas Brother? I'm going to go Kevin. Um, you're a Kevin guy. Because, all the way. Because he's just there. Like, Joe... You know he's he's the singer spotlighty type. Nick's the model of them all, and then Kevin's just there. And I think I really appreciate that. That even though he doesn't have the model looks or the silky voice that Joe has, he's still doing it and going hanging out with the brothers. So I appreciate that, Kevin. I would have to go Nick just because he has some good songs by himself. So I actually bumped to some of those songs that he has by himself when he kind of broke it when they all kind of broke up. Doug just. Bumped into those songs. <laughs> okay, he bumped into them. All right, Doug. You know what? Fine. He bumped no, into them. I bumped with them. Nick, Nick is the right answer, I think. I think Nick Jonas. Most talented? Agreed. Best looking. Best Jonas looking, brother. definitely. Best so looking. what other, you know, we're not judging these guys' character. You know, what other qualifications do you have? Family man. <laughs> I mean, out of all three, Kevin's the family man. He's the oldest, right? Uh, By I far, think- right? Why do I think no, Joe I think is older? I'm pretty sure Kevin's the oldest. It's either Joe or Kevin. I know Nick's yeah. the youngest. Nick is the youngest. Um, Nick is the Nick is the best. If if you turned on the TuneIn Radio app and was like, "Wait, it's Thursday. 
I can't wait to hear Brandon and Jake talk about Bryce Harper. And then we're talking about the Jonas Brothers. First of all, don't turn off the show. We're going to get back to the sports world. But <laughs> second of all, hopefully this was a pleasant surprise for you when you turned on the radio. This is WVD and WVD HD1 Newark. I'm Brandon Hovick with Jake Lampert. And now Doug Barron joins us. Doug, you weren't with us at the top, so I'll ask you now. Your thoughts, your reaction to Bryce Harper signing the 13-year, $330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, it's a lot of money and for a long time. 13 years, I think we said he'll be 39 at the end of that 13-year deal. And for him to, I mean, he's obviously a great player. There's already talks of him winning the NL MVP next year with the Phillies. There's a headline of it on ESPN, so... People are going crazy for this Bryce Harper signing, and, I mean, let's face it, Phillies baseball has not really been that great the past couple years, Um, so this is giving them the star power that I think Philly fans really crave, And but I don't know if it's going to last. Honestly, it might work for a couple years, but locking in that much money to one player over that much time, I know baseball doesn't have a salary cap, but regardless, you're locking in a lot of money. You don't know how he's going to do for the rest of his career. And I just think it's a lot of money. There was a funny meme I was telling you guys before we came back from break on Instagram. It's Bryce Harper before and after 13 years in Philadelphia. And it's a picture of him now looking kind of like a model as he does. And then afterwards looking like um, a character for it's, from it's always sunny rickety cricket, as we know, has like yeah. a one eye and like looks like a homeless person because he is. So... Bryce Harper's 330. I don't think it'll keep him homeless. Yeah. $40,000 per plate appearance, <laughs> $600,000 per like a game appearance. Oh, numbers are crazy. But someone else's numbers, Nolan Arenado, which we really haven't talked about. We kind of like foreshadowed it in the first place. Um, when I saw the Nolan Arenado news, I was disappointed because I think Nolan Arenado was the best player that needed an extension. Oh, he didn't need an extension, but he was the best player that deserved a contract extension in the MLB. He's the best defensive player in the MLB, a six-time Gold Glove Award winner. He's a player that's always hit over 300. He's Mm -hmm. three all-star game appearances. He is, since 2014, like second in the league in RBIs. He's the best player that deserved a contract, and I think for the 285... 260. 260 that he signed, that might have been a little low for him, too. Over eight years. I but- mean, it, it did set, so the, the deal is eight years, $260 million. It removes the one-year, $26 million settlement they had in the arbitration case for his final year of arbitration. So he was hit the set to hit the free agent market after this coming season. So it eats seven free agent years plus the one year that they had in team control. That's a little bit of a factor in it, um, maybe why it wasn't quite as crazy as the Machado-Harper deals. But the $32.5 million average annual value, mm-hmm. that did beat Miguel Cabrera's record for the highest average annual value in a contract for a position player. Cabrera's contract pays him $31 million on average. So it did not beat Zach Greinke's $33 million about, which is the record for any player, and that still stands. Yeah through all of this madness of free agency, but it did beat the position player, maybe not by as much as they talked about and that it was rumored before the deal was fully stamped out, but it did break the record. And uh, 
for a guy who isn't quite as young as Machado or Harper, mm-hmm. it takes him through to age 36, so the same age that Machado's contract takes him through, mm-hmm. even though it's two years of a shorter deal. And I think that's a little bit more smart by the Rockies, not locking in as much time. I mean, 36, still up there in age, but at least you can consistently produce at that age, hoping you maintain your health and everything goes well and um, you have a good team around you. I mean, the Rockies finished well last year, one game behind the Dodgers in the NL West, and the Dodgers went on to make it to the World Series but not win it. They lost to the Red Sox. Um, However, the Rockies, they're still a rather young team, and they have some good pieces. So keeping Arenado is definitely a huge thing. As we said, maybe it's not as much money as Harper, but Harper has kind of that everyone knows who Bryce Harper is. He's a household name. Even if you don't really watch baseball or you're not a huge fan of baseball, everyone knows. It's like, oh, that's Bryce Harper. And, I mean, probably his personality helps with in terms of his popularity. And Nolan Arenado isn't quite the same type of personality as Bryce Harper. Right. The good thing about this Arenado deal is when he's 130 years old and still playing baseball, <laughs> he plays in Colorado. Like a bunce a triple in Colorado. Do you people and I, I don't put this as an insult to the inflation of Arenado's <laughs> stats. He still needs to put the bat on the ball and get contact, but you really can get a half swing on a ball and put it out. Yeah. That is a incredible hitter's park, not That's only hard. for its dimensions, but for its air. It's the air, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to be getting that money when you're 36 years old. And if I'm the Rockies, it's less risky because as long as he can still make contact, he's going to put the ball in play and he's going to be able to drive in runs and keep those numbers up. Yeah, at some point he'll probably regress defensively. But offensively, you'd expect him to be in the neighborhood of 30 home runs, 100 RBI for at least six or seven. Maybe I'd say probably expectation is six years. Maybe he makes it seven or all the way through eight years at that type of level offensively. Plus maybe some MVP-type years this year, next year, the year after that, where he's still at the top of his peak. To me, I think a good comparison cross-sport for Nolan Arenado is Damian Lillard in Portland. West Coast, you don't hear a lot from either guy. Underrated, I would say. I mean, Lillard was in our top 10, our fringe top 10 of our NBA rankings a couple of weeks ago. Arenado was in the top 10 for most of us. Arenado said at the time that he signed this deal would be pretty cool to be one of those guys that stays with one organization their entire career. It just doesn't happen anymore. I'd like to change that. Damian Lillard, similar comments a couple weeks ago to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports saying, I'm not one of those guys who wants to go team up. I don't want a super team. I want to make it happen here in Portland where I was signed. So I thought it's kind of interesting cross-sport comparison to make that both of those guys – are quiet, under the radar, maybe underappreciated, mm-hmm. but they're both paid you know, max for Lillard, this handsome contract for Arenado, and they both should sustain a pretty high level of play for teams that haven't necessarily gotten over the hump yet but have these guys now as centerpieces. Handsome contract for a handsome man. It's what you deserve. <laughs> I guess that's why Bryce Harper got paid that much. Two other guys left out on the market, Dallas Claykel and Craig Kimbrell. They'd both become 1A and 1B as far as the biggest names left as free agency reaches March tomorrow. Any other thoughts or insight into what will happen with either or both of those guys now that Harper and Machado 
are off the market. I don't think either of them are going to sign until the season starts hmm. because the bullpen and the pitcher's market is really weird during spring training because you go seven pitchers deep every game, eight yeah. pitchers sometimes every game. So if you are still analyzing the depth of your pitching, you don't want to bring in one of these guys because that takes away a spot that one you can find a young star. Now, these are two great pitchers and two of the best pitchers in the game. So when a team finishes spring training, looks at the roster they kept, and are like, yeah, we're missing an arm. We need someone. Then the conversation will start. So I don't expect it to be very strong now, but once spring training finishes up, I think it's going to be a wildfire that the needy teams, especially the needy contending teams, are going to go nuts and try to get these guys. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. It has not been a kind start for the UD baseball team. 0-6, being outscored by a great margin. And now the news reported today by the News Journal's Kevin Trestolini that Kyle Baker, their star outfielder, tore his shoulder, tore his labrum, out for the season. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Billy Sullivan will miss this weekend of play. <laughs> well, there are your two players that probably are the reasons you win. So losing Billy Sullivan. And they were already 0-6 yeah. with those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah, have fun. That's going to be a tough season for the baseball team. It's if, looking like a tough if season. Kyle Baker, or like, you know, I was trying to figure out like an optimism way to take that. You <laughs> lost your two best players. You're zero and six in the season. And I believe the expectation is that Billy Sullivan will be back at some point. Mm-hmm. He, his season, his injury is not season ending, right? But it is for Kyle Baker, which is a pretty it's significant big. loss. His freshman, excuse me, his freshman year is great. His sophomore year, he missed most of the season with injury. Then last year, they sort of worked him back. So it is disappointing, I'm sure, for him, but also for us who who watch and cover the team to have him out once again. Hopefully a speedy recovery, but that's the news. 0-6 to start the year. No Baker, no Sullivan this weekend. But Delaware doesn't come back to Bob Hanna Stadium. Maybe they can reverse their fortunes mm-hmm. until next Week. For the moment, we'll turn our attention to this weekend's NFL Combine, where, as we mentioned before, Delaware safety Nasir Adderley will work out before NFL scouts. He has been rocketing up draft boards throughout this entire process. We talked about it a little bit with his performance at the Senior Bowl. Played excellent in the Senior Bowl game with an interception, but also impressed at practice throughout the week. As more and more, quote-unquote, draft experts in the media and teams get their eyes on Adderley's tape from Delaware, it seems a consensus is starting to grow that he is, if not the best safety in the draft, one of, but in many people's eyes, he is the best safety prospect in this draft. He is. He's the best safety there. This is a incredibly powerful defensive line draft. It is a strong defensive end draft. We know about Bosa. We know about Williams. We know about all these talented guys that will go high in the draft. It's not very deep at quarterback. There's probably only two first-round quarterbacks. Uh, So when teams are looking at the draft board, if they don't need a defensive end or a defensive lineman, they're looking secondary. And probably the most appealing person in the secondary is Nasir Adderley. He's shown he can play corner, but his main position is safety. He's he's a great safety. He has great reads. He's very quick, great hands. We saw the highlight real plays that he makes. If I had to pick... 
a team that would fit well to the Green Bay Packers. That was a team that I've seen the most hype about him getting drafted to. They gave away Ha Ha Clinton Do you know where Dix. they pick? 20, high 20s. Okay. Uh, they gave away Ha Ha Clinton Dix. They have a really open spot at safety. It's a new look team that needs to keep giving Aaron Rodgers the ball. What, way, what better way to do that than a star safety? And that's where a lot of people have fallen in love with Adderley, the versatility that you mentioned, that he has played corner before. He's played both in the slot and outside. Safety's the position that he played in high school, but when he came to Delaware, they moved him to corner. Then Brock goes out. Rocco comes in. They move him back to safety. That's where his career here at Delaware started to take off. I think he had something like the only player with 70-plus tackles and three or four interceptions in each of the last two seasons, which is very impressive. So the production has been there at the FCS level. But the athleticism, too, and that versatility does grade out when you compare him against the guys that played at the FBS level, the Deontay Thompsons of Alabama, for example, who earlier this season would have been considered the top safety prospect. If Nasir Adderley does get taken in the first round, where a lot of people predict him, like you said, the Green Bay, I've also seen him predicted to Kansas City at the end of the first round and to also Philadelphia Mm. at the end of the first round. If he is taken in the first round, he'd be just the second Delaware football player ever to be drafted in the first round, the other being Joe Flacco, who was selected in 2008, 18th overall by the Baltimore Ravens. His career kind of coming towards its end, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, when he was traded from Baltimore to Denver. But is there a potential for Nasir Adderley to stick on and become that next Delaware guy, that next Delaware great that becomes the face of Blue Hens football when people look at the program at a national level from the outside looking in, if he can have that type of you know sustained NFL success? Is there potential for him to be the next guy as Flacco looks to be on his way out? First round pick, sure. I would be surprised if he dropped out of the first round. NFL success, I think he can do it. The safety position has begun to evolve more as more math and more stat and more next-gen stats and sabermetrics and such have come into the NFL. So both offenses have become more efficient and defenses have become more efficient. So I, it, it is a good position to sustain NFL success. If he was a defensive lineman, if he was an edge rusher, I would probably say no. But for the safety position, I am confident that Adderley can play at an NFL level, maybe not a Pro Bowl level, but for sure a competitive NFL level. I think he, he has the potential to play at the NFL level as well. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe um, he can be a Pro Bowler. I don't know. There's really no telling where his career can go. It could it could go not so well. It could go really well. It really depends what the system that he fits in, how the defense is around him. If he's one of the top players on the defense, I would be kind of worried for that team, um, especially coming in right away. As you said, Philadelphia is one of the spots where rumors are that he could be drafted, and that would sure be something as Delaware. Most people who go to Delaware or the University of Delaware that live around here are Eagles fans, so it would be definitely something that's um, interesting to see as there's a lot of Delaware fans here. I mean, Eagles fans, sorry, and to see uh, a Delaware alum go to most people's favorite team it would 
it would be easy to follow him the rest of the way and root for him. Um, and he definitely is a heavy hitter for the safety position. Um, there's a little thing from the draft network that says he basically um, plays like a linebacker, like even though he's in the secondary, just the way he hits. And he's built 5'11", 195 pounds. Some of the things say that if he hits 200 pounds, that would be key. We all know how like the um, the draft combine – or the NFL combine and the draft, they all look at these little things like five pounds makes a huge difference. Two inches make a huge difference in terms of height for a quarterback. So some of the things are saying that they want him to hit 200 pounds, which is he's not far off. He's 195, but he's built and he like two El Diablo meals <laughs> right there. That's all you need. And he hits like a truck for the way he's built. And we saw it actually earlier in the season when he was returning a kickoff and it actually made it on sports the center top 10. Yeah. Even though they butchered his name, but he still made it. <laughs> Delaware's Pro Day is March 22nd, so he works out this weekend. He'll meet with the media on Sunday. All throughout the weekend, teams will be interviewing him, and there are plenty of stories about the types of questions, personal, football, and otherwise, that they ask these athletes at the Combine to get to know them before they invest a draft pick in them. He's going through that process now. He'll have the Pro Day March 22nd, 8 a.m. at the Delaware Fieldhouse. And then it's draft time. Then at that point, there's nothing left to do but wait and watch the draft and see where he lands. Again, Nasir Adderley looking to become just the second Blue Hen ever to be selected in the first round following in the footsteps of Delaware quarterback Joe Flacco, who in 2008 went 18th overall.